Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Here on Fantasy Sports Today, the NCAA tournament getting ready to tip off tonight. Can't wait for it. We got you covered here. But first, it is the prelude, the prelude, the prelude, the prelude to the NCAA tournament. I'm Craig Mish, along with Davis Maddock. If I pronounce something wrong today, it's not my fault. We're going to cover NFL free agency. We got some Major League Baseball to discuss. Our season win totals continue. We'll look at the Texas Rangers today. Also, Mike Elias, Vice President and General Manager of the Baltimore Orioles, will be on our show coming up in about 35 minutes from now. But Davis, NFL free agency seems to steal the headlines, but it feels like kind of for the wrong reasons. This has been a few days in, a little bit of a dull development. I was with you. I I thought that a couple of the top free agents – would have been signed by now, but very clearly they're not. And we're hearing a lot about Kenny Galladay visiting New York, potentially the Giants. But I got news for you. If he was already signed with the Giants, we would know about it. So that's kind of where we are here on this Thursday. Yeah, I think the early contracts for Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, and Corey Davis really skewed the market because Kenny Galladay, Smith Schuster, those guys can look at their production and be like, what you want me to take less money than Nelson Aguilar? Like, no, I'll I'll wait you out. I'll wait you out, uh, New York. I'll wait you out, Cincinnati. I mean, the Bengals absolutely they cut John Ross. Uh, they they have T. Higgins who looks great, and they have Tyler Boyd. But their outside wide receiving options are like Auden Tate. You know, guys, AJ Green not on the team anymore. So they're a team that desperately needs a wide receiver. Uh, Kansas City should be in the market for a wide receiver. I think Buffalo should be in the market for another wide receiver. There are a lot of teams. And and I think that Galladay and Smith-Schuster should wait. I don't think that Galladay should take a one-year prove-it deal, which is one of the things that was suggested yesterday, that the Bengals offered him like one year, $8 million or something dollars like that as a, a quote-unquote prove-it deal. If I'm Galladay's agent, if I'm Smith-Schuster's agent, you know, not not a chance. No way am I advising my guys to take a one-year prove-it deal. Yeah, and those guys, the quality is just far above the rest. But I, I suppose the NFL doesn't see it the same way. Washington football team, as we look at our headlines, have upgraded their wide receiving core. Ryan Fitzpatrick at the start of the season will throw two. Not just Terry McLaurin, but also Curtis Samuel leaves Carolina for the Washington football team. Boy, uh, March Madness is certainly going to be interested Uh, Virginia has yet to go to Indianapolis because of COVID protocols and Oklahoma's lost a player. Georgia Tech has as well. I know that my brackets are certainly now in and I'm hoping I don't have to change them by midnight tonight. But needless to say, I have to pay close attention before the first round begins tomorrow. It actually begins tonight, but really the first round tomorrow right here at noon. Uh, Rockets trade P.J. Tucker to Milwaukee. Rodney uh, uh, Hudson of the uh, the Las Vegas Raiders was traded to the Arizona Cardinals, really good center for them for a while. 
And Patrick Peterson signs with the Minnesota Vikings on a one-year deal. But I think that from a fantasy point of view, and we'll hit on a lot of baseball later in the show, I think the big takeaway for me actually is nothing that we just discussed in our headlines, Davis, as it looks like Philip Lindsay's time in Denver is done. We know that they signed Melvin Gordon, but now they also have Mike Boone. The Denver Broncos love their running backs. I got to say that. They love signing running backs. They've done it the last couple of years. Uh, was Gordon on a one-year deal, or did he have a multi-year deal with them? So it Gordon signed a two-year, $16 million deal. I think the second year was pretty lightly guaranteed. So he looks like – it basically is like kind of functioned like a club option. does look like probably they'll pick it up now that they're letting Lindsey go. But Melvin Gordon is about to enter into his age 28 season – Really a pretty inefficient player outside of one incredible touchdown scoring year with the Chargers. I think that was the last year that they were the San Diego Chargers instead of the Los Angeles Chargers. I I really like this Mike Boone signing by them. He was really effective in the times when he actually got to play for the Vikings. The thing is, is, you know, he was always playing behind first round picks or, or other great players. And they actually spent a high pick on Alexander Madison as well. Now that Lindsey is gone, Boone should basically be the second running back there after he beats out Royce Freeman and Camp. And I mean, Royce Freeman is no lock to make the roster either. So Boone in those deep dynasty leagues, actually, I think is a guy I will be looking to acquire this offseason. Yeah, and, and he could definitely get a, a strong opportunity. I, I, I think their coach Vic Fangio is still coaching from the 80s, so you're going to still see a lot of running regardless of who is at quarterback and wide receiver there, and I think Boone is going to have a nice opportunity this year. To me, that's the big fantasy takeaway that I had from yesterday, but yeah, we'll keep a close eye on that. we got spring training games set to go off in about an hour from now, and of course, a couple of NCAA tournament games tonight. We'll have a preview coming up a little bit later here on the show. Our fantasy standouts in the NBA are coming up next, and wouldn't you know, Another triple-double for a player that's gone from MVP odds of 40-1 to 1 down to 9.5-1. to 1. So I bet guess who that may end up being, Davis. It's just been an amazing run for James Harden. I can't believe I saw this morning he's less than 10-1 to 1 to win the MVP. Yeah, it's absolutely nuts, and we talked about it. And really, I mean, Harden has been playing incredibly, but even more so... LeBron has, you know, the Lakers have not been winning as much. Jokic and the Nuggets haven't taken the run. I mean, every single day on the show, I tell you, the the Nuggets are coming. Jokic is coming. Um, And yeah, like, I also think a huge part of this is people do not want to vote for Giannis a third time in a row. That's, I think, the biggest influencing factor in the market right now. Yeah, fair enough. All right, fantasy standouts are coming up next. We'll dive more into Harden. We'll also bring in our producer, Brett Levy. Devonta Sabonis has made another appearance on our show. We'll talk about that next. Our season win total, as I mentioned, Texas Rangers over under. We'll break that down for you in about 15 minutes from now. Stay on the grid. Davis and I will be right back here on Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Ah. 
The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome back. Mark Madness here on Sports Grid, getting ready to get underway tomorrow here on the show from noon to 4 Eastern. We got you covered in game live. Every game, every update, every basket. Davis Maddock will be right here hosting with you. Uh, Saturday and Sunday, we have in game live 18 hours, I believe, here on the network or 16 hours, something crazy like that. And then Monday as well. So uh, I'll be off this weekend and I'll be back with you guys on Tuesday. But make sure you stay tuned here on the grid. All your college basketball, everything you could possibly want. We're going basically, I would say, wall to wall for four straight days. So make sure you tune in tomorrow right here to Sports Grid. But let's take care of our NBA fantasy standouts from Wednesday night. Rookie Sadiq Bay with 28 points, 12 rebounds, two assists, and two steals. We mentioned James Harden, who had a triple double. And if you want to bet him on FanDuel to win the MVP, you better do it soon if you haven't done it already because I think that he's going below Joel Embiid by the end of the week. 40 points, 10 rebounds, 15 assists, 2 steals. He's now 9.5-1 to and beat 6.5-1 to to win the MVP. DeMontis Sabonis, 18 points, 11 rebounds, 11 assists, 4 steals and 1 block. He also had a triple-double. I believe there were 5 triple-doubles in the NBA last night. Giannis, 32 points, 15 rebounds, 5 assists, and Ben Simmons of the Sixers, had 13 points, 10 rebounds, 12 assists, two steals, and two blocks. I, I personally, in my heart, Davis, don't feel that any player that forces his way off a team like Harden did should even be eligible to win the MVP. But I'm having a really hard time looking at these odds with LeBron being slightly plus, Jokic, your guy, being a little bit more plus, I think two to one, and then B being six and a half to one. And then I think it closes out with Harden at nine and a half to one. I don't think anybody else has a shot there. Curry, I think, is right above that. But, I, I mean, if you had to do this fresh right now and pick one guy and take $100, throw it on somebody, would you, would you still go Jokic here? I would still go Jokic because I think that the Lakers are going to have a hard time holding serve with all of these injuries right now. I mean, they have Marcus Saul is on the COVID list. They're starting uh, a 10-day contract guy, Damian Jones, at center. They're having to rely on my guy, Taylor Horton Tucker, to play 30 minutes a night. Markeith Morris is getting a ton of the small ball center minutes. So it's, it's just going to be hard for the Lakers to get to like 50 wins, right? Remember, they're playing 72 games. I, I do think that we are going to see. I also think we might see LeBron rest a little bit. You know, if it becomes clear they're not going to get the number one seed, I think we might see some rest for LeBron. I said to you in the first segment, I just think Giannis is disqualified. He could have a triple-double every day for the rest of the season, every game they play. And I think the fact that they flamed out in the playoffs two years in a row. And, mm -hmm. you know, it, the guys who have won MVP three years in a row – it is Larry Bird, 
Uh, I don't think Michael ever won three years in a row. And then uh, uh, Wilt Chamberlain and those guys won championships in the middle of those MVP three-year runs. And we can't even get Giannis to the conference finals two years in a row. I I still think Mm. it's Jokic, but Harden, if he keeps playing like this and Durant doesn't come back for another month, he's going to win, right? He he will just win. If Durant stays out this long, Harden is just going to win. That's just the fact. Mm, Crazy. You can get down on that right now on FanDuel. Uh, Sadiq Bey, uh, Brett, of the Pistons, led his team to a big win over the Toronto Raptors last night. We haven't talked much about Sadiq Bey all season, and that's just the nature of rookies. Not all of them can be LaMelo or Wiseman or Edwards. It's taken Bey some time, but he's starting to come on. Yeah, he's a good player coming out of Villanova, Craig. He's going to play that 3-4 position in the NBA that we see a lot of great athletes play, and they develop a jump shot and continue to improve year in and year out. And that's kind of what Sadiq Bey is going to do, I think. I think he's going to be a role player for the Pistons for a long time, probably develop into a quality starter for them, Craig. And uh, you know, if everything breaks right, maybe a future all-star. But if you get a quality starter in the mid to late 20s, then you, you're you drafting well. And that's where the Pistons are right now. They're in their rebuild. So they'll be giving Sadiq Bay, guys like Saban Lee, um, you know, young players like Dennis Smith Jr. Those guys will be getting the bulk of the minutes from here on out for the Pistons. All right, over to some more uh, standouts on FanDuel last night. We'll start off with three triple-doubles. Russell Westbrook had 26, 14, 10, and one assist. So you know the math there, 50, 60 points on FanDuel for him last night. How about Draymond Green stepping up last night? 16 points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists, and one block. Jokic with a triple-double as well, a short one, 12, 10, and 10. Luka with 42 points, six rebounds, nine assists, three steals, and two blocks. And then Zach Levine had 29 points, six rebounds, six assists, one steal, and one block. Now, Davis, if we decided a month and a half ago to just close our eyes and blindly bet against Houston, I don't think we'd have to make a bet the rest of the season. They've couple, they've covered a few spreads, but last night, Davis, they lost their 18th straight game in the NBA. They haven't won since the first week in February – I've been watching the NBA a very long time, including teams that have only won 13 and 14 games in an NBA season. I guess the question is at this point, is this the worst run for any NBA team in decades? Because the Clippers I know had lost 20 in a row. The Heat, when they first started, lost 20 in a row. We're getting close to that, and I don't see any end in sight. How soon you forget the process 76ers, Craig? I mean, those process 76ers i'm to say to say that they were playing basketball is honestly an insult to the sport they were they they were at such a point they were resting guys like michael carter williams and tony roten they were resting them because they were worried that they were going to win too many games the the the, i don't remember if it was 2014 or 2015 but that year of the philadelphia 76ers they were so bad they they played such an awful style of basketball that I mean, even even this Rockets team, which is basically doing the exact same thing, they are still better and playing a better brand of basketball than those process 76ers teams. All right. Well, I forgot about that. That's very true. Brett, you were uh, working in the NBA, I believe, at that time. So what do you make of that? You, you think that Houston has a chance to be worse than those Sixers teams? Or I mean, Davis brings up a great point. I completely that completely slipped by me. 
Yeah, I was actually in Philadelphia for one of those years, Craig. Uh, it was Joel Embiid's uh, draft year. So Nerlens was a rookie. He was sitting out. Michael Carter-Williams was traded at the trade deadline. Uh, Magic Johnson sent the famous tweet, you know, the Bucks got a future Hall of Famer and um, all that. So, yeah, I know exactly what Davis is talking about. We had guys out there named Furkan Aldemir and Hollis Thompson who are, you know, great basketball players, but not household NBA names. So, um, you know, at least the six or this Rockets, excuse me, are running out, you know, Victor Oladipo and uh, some guys you've heard of before. So that that's good. Uh, they're probably a little bit ahead of where the Sixers were a few years ago. Yeah. And by the way, Brent, was one of those high, high picks real quick, uh, Jaleel Okafor, whatever happened to him? Um, he's been in and out of the league. I think he's in New Orleans right now. Uh, but he, he you know, had a couple of tea with the Nets and he, uh, you know, he's, he's working his way into, uh, becoming a rotation piece, but he's surviving, Craig. All right, good. Well, Davis, listen, if you can just survive in the NBA as the 10th man out of 12, you're a million dollar player, right? In the NBA, it's pretty much who you are. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, I do, I want to commend the Rockets for one thing, which is they got this guy, Kevin Porter Jr. from the Cleveland Cavaliers. And they, he would like kind of featured as a small forward for the Cavaliers. And they've said, you know what, KPJ, you have the ball, every possession, you're bringing the ball up. You are, you're going to have a Russell Westbrook usage rate, you know, shoot whatever you want pass it whoever you want, do whatever, gamble for steals, gamble for blocks. It doesn't matter. And I think they're going to turn him into a good player. Like I think they're, they're going to get a huge win with Kevin Porter Jr. Interesting. All right. Maybe somebody to keep an eye on. Also uh, Norman Powell, another big game for him last night. What a week he's had 43 points for Powell. Okay. Coming up next, the Texas Rangers got themselves a shiny new ballpark in 2020, but no one was able to see it. And that's probably a good thing because the Rangers finished 16 games under 500. They got to the postseason. Uh, baseball got to the postseason, and they decided to play postseason games in Texas. And so you thought coming into 2021, new ballpark, going to be a great team. Don't think so. We'll look at their win total next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
Welcome back to Fitness and Sports today here on Sports Grid. Mike Elias, the general manager, vice president of the Baltimore Orioles, joins us in about 15 minutes. I think the Orioles are headed in the right direction. As far as the Texas Rangers are concerned, I've been pretty super critical of, of the Rangers over the past year because I, I, I don't ever remember, Davis, a team with a new ballpark heading into a season looking this bad on paper. The Rangers were 16 games under 500 last year, but I think that that's okay. It was 2020. There were no fans. Similar to the Red Sox, I kind of felt like, ah, you know, you give teams like that a mulligan. But they are entering this year, honestly, Davis, looking worse than they were last year. I'm always scared of numbers this low. Texas's number is 67 and a half. But once they just basically decided, all right, well, Lance Lynn, you were the only good thing we had on the mound and replaced him with almost nothing. And I mean, I look at this one through nine batting order. I look at this one through five rotation. How does this team not finish in last place in the American League West? They look terrible. So this is how they would get there. It would be Joey Gallo having a good season in terms of batting average and balls in play, right? Trimming his his strikeout rate down just a little bit, hitting 45 home runs or something like that. David Dahl would have to stay healthy for the entire season and, you know, recapture some of that promise he had as someone we were really excited about in fantasy baseball. Rubned Odor would have to have a good season. I mean, he was one of the worst players in baseball the last couple of years. But if you go back and look at his 2015, 2016 seasons, he was a guy we really liked for fantasy baseball as well. Nick Solak would have to stay healthy and have, you know, hit pretty solid. Nate Lowe would have to be someone that they, they traded for him. He would have to have a good season. But let me, you know what? Even if all of those things happen and yeah. Chris Davis returns, even if all those things happen and they're able to get a good DH season out of Chris Davis, right? They, they DH him and they get 40 home runs out of him or 35 home runs out of him. I still don't know if they have the pitching to get it done, right? So let's say they get 550 plate appearances from Dahl. They get Joey Gallo's career best year. They get a good season from Nick Solak. The Nate Lowe trade, you know, ends up being something that pans out and they get, you know, a, a 340 weighted on base average season from him. I still don't know if the pitching is good enough to get them to 65 wins because this this pitching staff does look like the worst of all the Major League Baseball teams. I, I think they are a pretty big favorite to have the worst pitching staff. Yeah, and, and and look at the names on paper. I mean, Kyle Gibson, who potentially could throw 150 innings, that's the best that they've got that there at the top. The only player that you're hearing a little about more in fantasy circles is Mike fulton who the Braves just completely let go, and his velo this spring has been back up where it's been. And so I did take a shot on him, but a year ago, Davis, this was a team – that you were, as you mentioned, we were talking about the next great team in the American League. Why? Rugnet Odor was a player coming on. Nomar Mazzara looked like he could be a 30 mm-hmm. home run player for sure. Elvis Andrews was still looked like a guy. And not to mention a player you didn't even see on that list because he's not going to be with the club opening day. The fantasy community was in love with Willie Calhoun the last two years. You don't even see his name on this list. He can't play the field at all. He's just simply a designated hitter. And what is the confidence that they have in him? They signed Chris Davis. They brought in Chris Davis. So I'm, I don't even think their offense is very good. And, and the only player who I like, I happen to like a lot, 
is Nick Solak. I think he's going to hit. They really don't have a position for him to play, but look at the other eight guys. They'll figure that out. Solak, they'll, they'll find a position for Solak to play. Ronald Guzman, who's been on many of my shows before, I'm very happy for him. He had a good winter and he's having a good spring. He's probably the best defensive first baseman in baseball. Uh, six foot seven uh, guy who can just hit mammoth home runs, but he's had a hard time making contact. Uh, Davis, I, I'm, I'm going to easily lean under the 67 and a half. I generally don't bet baseball totals that are in the 60s because, again, we want to create a path for the over, Davis. How does it happen? Forget players. Let's look at the division. Let's say, hypothetically, the Angels aren't as good as you or I think. Let's say Seattle is also not a very good team. Is it possible the Rangers in the month of September have a winning record and go 70 and 92? Still a horrible season. They could do it. They could do it. It's it's possible. And, and they don't have a ton of guys on one-year deals to trade either. So they're kind of stuck with who they have. Uh, I'm going to lean under, but I don't, I don't bet totals that are in the 60s because there's just too much variance. Anything can happen. They play 30 games in September. They go 20 and 10. They're going over 67 and a half, and it doesn't even mean that they were good. Yeah, so this is a, a big difference in betting futures in basketball and in baseball. I actually love to bet the unders for the truly bad teams in the NBA, right? Like uh, teams that are projected or, or their total is like 22 wins. In the NBA, you are so heavily incentivized to lose. I think you can bet those unders pretty comfortably. In baseball, things just get so weird. And, you know, if, if the Rangers just get absurdly good luck in a bunch of one-run games, which we see happen in baseball all the time. I don't remember which year the Orioles did this, uh, but they they, they went yeah. something like, they, they won like 80% of their one-run games or something like that. And that can happen to any team. A big reason why I would consider betting the under here is, as I have said on the show many times, I'm big on the Angels. I don't think the Mariners are going to be terrible, and I do think they will call Kalanick up sooner rather than later just because he seems so grumpy about being sent down and you do like you just do not want to drive that wedge in between your your very top prospect i don't think the astros are going to be terrible and i'm really high on the athletics so the rangers look like the clear worst team in this division gibson no good Kobe arihara I mean, he was purchased from the DePon League. We have no idea if he's going to be any good. I think Lyles is going to be bad. Dunning is at least interesting. I mean, that's the nicest thing I can say about him, a former top prospect. Right. But he is – he looks like a, a future value 40, 45 guy, you know, comfortably like the fourth best arm in a good rotation or something like that. Not a true stud. I I actually might bet the under here because I, I really don't see it. I And, and another thing about them – is with teams like this, you go, okay, well, things are really bad second half of the season. Maybe they start to bring up some prospects. But look at where the best prospects are in their organization. Double A, high A, rookie ball. These are not guys who are ready to come in and take major league plate appearances. It's pretty much Leody Tavares. I mean, maybe in the second half of the season, they swap him and Kiner Falefa around and they have Tavares leading off. That's a little bit of a fantasy baseball note because Tavares is a super speedy guy, but he has absolutely no right. hit tool. I mean, the one guy I like for fantasy, I mean, Solak seems fine, but Gallo is the one I find myself taking a ton because I, I just, I've never seen anyone with raw power like him. I mean, I, I think with 700 plate appearances, he could hit 50 home runs, which is not something you can say about very many guys in Major League Baseball these days. But in terms of winning games, I mean, I just, I, I'm, I'm off. And, and I, I, I think, and again, we haven't even talked about this yet. 
the relief pitching. I mean, they're all bad. All, all their relievers are all bad. These are all guys who are projected for four and a half, five ERAs. They don't have one good long guy that you could say, okay, he's going to come in and be the fireman. It's like, all right, let's give Kobe Allard a hundred innings. He's going to get shelled by everyone in our division. It's just, it's, it's a mess for them. Yeah. And they had Mike Miner and Lance Lynn, you know, it wasn't really that bad on, on paper. I mean, how many teams have two really good starters and, and those, and those starters were actually viable and okay I, I could have foreseen 300 innings from those two players this season but where are they going to get those innings in, in pitchers three through five I don't know Huff is their best prospect he's in the minors he's a catcher even if he comes up I mean what kind of impact can a catcher have offensively in his first year Joey Bart didn't even do anything in the cup of coffee that he had last year and, and the other thing that I would say Davis when looking at this total and this is sort of something that I do when I do play the totals especially the bottom ones is I would ask you this, what is the difference, Davis, going into the season between Pittsburgh and Texas? Do you see a significant difference in talent from these two teams? I don't. I don't think it's all that different. I, I could see the Pirates maybe even being better than Texas, and they are. you're getting basically a 10-win spread from Pittsburgh to Texas. That's not to say that Pittsburgh is good. I know that they're going to lose close to 100 games, but – Talent for talent, Davis, on both sides. I mean, Key Brian Hayes could be a better player than anyone that the Rangers have. So, I mean, I got to lean under here. It's the only way I could go. Yeah, I mean, specifically as it relates to the Pirates, they also have a worse division, right? They have fewer, stronger teams in that division. We yeah. don't think the Reds are going to be very good. We don't think the Cubs are going to be very good. And there are certainly some avenues where the Brewers are not that strong either. So it really, I mean... It is the race to the bottom between these two teams. But I mean, look at the look at the pitching staff for the Pirates. You have a couple guys you could talk yourselves into there, right? Chad Cool. Uh, is, yeah. I mean, he has some interesting spin rate stuff. Steven Brault, not terrible. Mitch Keller gonna eat up the innings. And yeah, I just tough tough scene for the Rangers. I and, and thank thank goodness for fantasy baseball that it doesn't matter how bad Joey Gallo's teammates are, he's still going to get the same opportunities. You know, if this was like an NFL situation where it's all uh, a synergistic situation where your production relies on your teammates, I mean, it'd be like Calvin Johnson stuck on those, on those Lions teams. You know, I thank goodness because we need Gallo to hit 45 home runs this year. Oh yeah. I mean, look, if you're, if you're asking me who, who's a great bet to win the home run title, you think that Joey Gallo's not going to have the green light on three Oh, like constantly all season long with that lineup that he's playing. Uh, I think Davis, you hit it. The only thing is health with him. They force him to play center field and he's really not a center fielder. And you know, that's, that's the kind of thing that can cost you a couple trips to the injured list when they put guys out of position, but don't know what the Rangers are doing. Hopefully their future looks bright, but at least they get a new ballpark to watch their team lose close to all the games this year. Coming up next, the Baltimore Orioles, on the other hand, have been drafting and using international money and they seem like they are on the right path to winning. It's a great baseball market. Their vice president and general manager, Mike Elias, joins us next to go over what the club will look like in 2021, including a potential closer. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. I think fun things are happening in Birdland this time of the year. Of course, the Orioles are going through their spring training 2021 season. We're going to take a look at a season preview of them with executive vice president and general manager. Mike Elias joins us here on the show. Always been a good friend to the program. Mike, it is great to see you. Happy baseball season. I hope you're well. Same to you, Craig. Good to be here. All right. Well, uh, Mike, I, I know that the Orioles are certainly you've you've taken on a tremendous undertaking with the club and I'm seeing improvements all over the place. International scouting within your farm system. Some really nice young players are on the way. But here you are, of course, fielding a 2020 and 21 club this year. You guys are coming off a season. You get played very well on the big league side as well. What's kind of the feeling going into the regular season? We're just two weeks away. Um yeah, I mean, you, you pointed out we've got uh, a lot of focus right now in the minor leagues and, and bolstering our minor league pipeline, and that's that's been going well and continues to be a major priority for us. But I think a fun aspect of our 2021 major league outlook is a lot of these uh, players that we've been had that we've had our eye on in the minors last year or two. They're on the team now, and they're going to break uh, camp opening day. Um, and we saw some really good debuts last year, namely, you know, Ryan Mountcastle, our, our left fielder, and Dean Kramer and, and Keegan Aiken, a couple of guys that, that came up and joined the rotation kind of midstream. And so we've got more and more of these these names that, that our organization and Oriole fans have been, you know, following in the minor league box scores and in the pages of Baseball America and so forth, you know, are starting to be a, a part of the team. So we got a young team, but there are uh, – players on this team that are starting to form what we hope is a playoff nucleus. Yeah, and, and drafting Adley Rutschman and the great job that you're doing in international scouting is just something that the Orioles never did. And and here you guys are just building an incredible farm system, uh, nice young pitching. I think some of the best in the American League is coming, no doubt. I'm seeing it. People are talking about it. And it's going to be happening eventually for the Orioles, no question. Um, 2021, though, of course, has its challenges, you know, both on and off the field. Uh, interesting that you guys made some news this week. I didn't anticipate. I, I saw uh, Michael Franco was someone that is potentially being brought into the fold to play third base. I know many years ago, uh, people thought that this was a great third baseman, very hot prospect. He's moved around the league a little bit. Why the decision to bring him in at this stage? It's kind of a, a, a late and, and sudden addition. We weren't, um, you know, coming into spring training necessarily planning on on a, um, a free agent signing or a, a third base type of signing like like Franco. 
but the longer that he uh, kind of persisted on the market, it looked like a really good opportunity for us. Um, you know, we got a glimpse of what our infield looked like with, with Rio Ruiz out, out sick last week. And, you know, we need some more options at third base. We need depth. Everyone needs depth. Um, we have a um, playing time situation where we expect we have a designated hitter spot that there are going to be uh, players rotating through, whether it's the first baseman, third baseman, corner outfielders. You know, Trey Mancini, who's, who's coming back from cancer last year and looks really good, he's going to be DHing some days. Uh, that might open up first base. So we, we um, you know, a- added Franco to our mix. Um, I think that there's tons of opportunity and playing time here for him and others that, that have been here. And it, it seemed like a, a good opportunistic signing for us. And for him, uh, this is a place that he wants to play to, to build value, to get playing time, to, um, you know, hit in our division and our ballpark. And uh, we think he can have a real good season for us. Yeah, I, I would think this is a great opportunity, great bounce back spot going to you guys in Baltimore, no question. Uh, you, you mentioned at the top Ryan Mountcastle in my circles here. There's certainly a lot of interest in him, both on the offensive side and even where he may end up playing defensively, Mike. We've seen so many of these bigger, stronger players start out in the outfield and, and then kind of move their way either to first base or, or kind of designated hitter. Uh, where do you see him batting in the lineup every day this year? And what is kind of the potential that stands with us here with him in 2021? Yeah, um, real interesting kid. I mean, he, he actually started out as a, as a shortstop uh, here in, uh, in Central Florida, went to, I believe, uh, Haggerty High School in, in Orlando, mm-hmm. a, a kind of a known baseball program. Um, and he was like one of the top shortstops on the summer showcase circuit, very high profile high school hitter still filling it out and getting strong. So it's hard to play shortstop with those dimensions. He uh, spent some time at third base. Um, you know, e- even there, it, a lot of evaluators projected a move to, to first and left field. And for us, um, you know, when I got here, I noticed we have a lot of, of corner bats, um, Mancini in particular being on the team. Um, it was important for us to find another position for him other than first base. So we put him out in left field. He's a good baseball player. He's a good athlete. And he took to it really well. And we think he can stay there. So he's um, hopefully somebody that's going to be in the middle part of our order, whether that's third, fourth, or fifth for the next several years. Um, he did a great job coming up, uh, really looked the part and, and had a real smooth transition to the big leagues. And now it's about, you know, kind of avoiding the sophomore slump and, and building from there. But uh, we really like him. Yeah, a lot of excitement in uh, in my circles about him for sure. A couple other players that I wanted to mention that I know that you're you're feeling good about in in 2021. Maybe some sort of under the radar radar offensive players, and I want to go to the pitching. Uh, DJ Stewart, I know is is working back from an injury, so it's just kind of the latest as as far as you think his readiness will be from opening day. And boy, you've got a couple of young catchers there potentially, both offensively and defensively in Chance Cisco, who uh, was drafted a few years ago, and then this Pedro Severino. I did not know a ton about him, but the more I see and hear, the more I think he's got a real chance to be a good one. Yeah, um, you know, I, I do think we've got some interesting young players, as, as you mentioned. I mean, DJ Stewart was a first-round pick, uh, very kind of polished bat coming out of Florida State University, um, works the strike zone exceptionally well, really good eye, drives walks, has power. Um, and now it's just about, you know, hitting for – average consistently in the major leagues he's shown he can hit for power and get on base um but we're looking for for a consistent production from him 
He's got a really good arm. He can play right field. Um, as you mentioned, he pulled a hamstring a couple weeks ago. Not a major injury, but anytime that happens to you right in the smack in the middle of spring training, it's bad timing. Um, so he'll be coming back soon. And, uh, yeah, we have a, a catching tandem that I think complements each other really well. Uh, Pedro Severino is a big arm, right-handed hitting uh, catcher with some power. And then Chance Sisko is a, a, a left-handed hitter, uh, works the count real well, gets on base, um, has pretty good left-handed swing. So it's a, it's a good pairing for our manager, Brandon Hyde, to kind of mix and match based on, on who's pitching against us that night. And, uh, uh, you know, Pedro's been – Really good, two years in a row here. After we claimed him off of waivers right at the end of spring training in 2019, he was kind of a um, former prospect with the Nationals that just hadn't taken off, and he was out of options, and uh, he came our way and has essentially been our starting catcher ever since. Yeah, and Adley Rutschman is on the way. I would I would guess maybe this year or next year we'll see uh, him too. Uh, all right, over the pitching, this is where the great strides are being made, and I know the farm system is being built as it should be. I mean, this is this is what you guys did in Houston for sure. You're doing it now in Baltimore. I'm waiting to see the debut of Grayson Rodriguez. I think that he's got a chance to be a star. Uh, you know, Keegan Aiken, who you mentioned, you have Hall there as well. Uh, Kramer, who we saw a little bit of last year, and then you brought in some veterans as well. So if you wouldn't mind just kind of how the starting rotation sort of shakes out and who could be maybe one of those sleepers this year that surprises some people. Yeah, we have a lot of young pitching uh, coming and, and, and getting here, which is, which is nice. I mean, look, historically, this has been a, a, a tough place to, uh, to recruit free agent pitchers. It's a tough division. Uh, it's a cozier ballpark at times. And uh, growing pitchers uh, internally is going to be huge for our success going forward. So very fortunately for me, before I even got here, uh, Dan Duquette had spent a lot of the first round picks, uh, early round picks, I should say, the past couple of years on pitching and, and used them well. And we've got some really good arms from, from those drafts. Um, also Dean Kramer, who came over in the Manny Machado trade, uh, Bruce Zimmerman, who came in the Kevin Gossman trade. So there were a lot of arms already here. Um, and then we've brought more in in the last two years through draft and, and, and trade as well. Um, but I think mainly the, the, the biggest um, kind of shot in the arm that the pitching uh, got, is, as you mentioned, is we kind of um, introduced a, a, a tech-first uh, player development program that's, you know, uh, the way of, of, of Major League Baseball right now, you know, using, using TrackMan, using high-speed cameras uh to get the most out of these guys and so we saw a big boost in the uh results and performance a lot of a lot of the pitchers that that were already here so you know it's a it's a good stable uh but we're always looking for more um, we're going to need as much as we can get um but it's a group of minor league and and some of these young pitchers that we have in the majors right now um and john means who i didn't even talk about who's our our, our number one um you know i i i uh would be, would be hard pressed to you know find another system that we might want to trade our pitchers for. Yeah, no, I, and and look, I'm I'm not surprised that this is where it's headed, and I and I think that if Orioles fans can can be a little patient, they're going to see the same results in terms of success that that you had and the great job that you did with the Astros for many years. So I, I think also one of the key questions as we go into the season, and I know this is a tough one because it just happened, but I saw that you placed Hunter Harvey on the 60 day injured list. And and I and I saw Tanner Scott pitch, uh, I believe, in the Futures game here in Miami a couple of years ago, and I and I've seen his name just being mentioned in circles as a possibility to close games for you. And 
And I suppose this could go a number of different ways, but I know that my viewers have got to be really interested on, on who you think when you guys have a lead in the eighth and ninth inning, who could be used in those kind of high leverage spots? Because I had high hopes for Harvey even uh, last year. I remember talking to you about him in spring training. Yeah, tough break for, for Hunter. Uh, he had um, the other day just on one pitch a pretty major oblique strain. And in baseball, that takes a long time. There's so much uh, so much of a rotational aspect to both hitting and pitching that you, know, you get a bad oblique, it's like a two-month thing. So he's on the 60, but he'll be back this early this summer. Um, and um, looking forward to getting his arm back. Because when we've had him out there healthy, you know, it's it's 95 to 99 with a with a splitter and a breaking ball, mm -hmm. um, and he's he's a first round talent that's just just struggled with his health over his career. Um, but uh, yeah, Tanner Scott, another extremely electric arm, um, probably as good a left handed stuff as is out there. Um, it you know, other than like a Josh Hader type, a Roldis Chapman type. I mean, he you know, uh, Tanner's upper 90s with uh, what I think is like an 80-grade slider on the, on the scouting scale. And for him, it had just been all about throwing strikes um, and limiting his walks. And we're seeing some strides in that direction. And last year, he had a really good year in the shortened season. Our coaching staff did a really nice job kind of simplifying his, his delivery and his, and his arm action. And he seems to have taken really well to it and liked it. So I, I, I hope that, that that's been a, a permanent jump in his command. And if it is, I do think we've got closer material there. You know, whether Brennan deploys him uh, for a save in the ninth or to get a couple of big lefties out in the seventh or eighth, you know, that's that's the way uh, bullpen usage is trending these days. But he's a, a back-end impact arm for sure. Yeah, no doubt. And, and Mike, look, I, I'm here in South Florida covering the Marlins. I always have a very close eye on, on what you're doing in, in Baltimore because I know that the fans are super loyal there. And if anything goes like the way that it did – with you and your friends with the Astros, man, I, I know that Orioles fans are going to be very happy with the outcome of this in a year or two. Mike, again, thank you for coming on Fantasy Sports today, sharing your thoughts on the season. I look forward to seeing you again, hopefully in person as soon as possible. Thanks again. Yeah, I hope to bump into you soon. Thanks, Craig. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, Mike Elias, Vice President and General Manager of the Baltimore Orioles here with us on Fantasy Sports Today. Hopefully got some good tips there for the upcoming season. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back with a lot more right here on Sports Grid. Make sure you stay with us. We'll be back right after. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 
NCAA tournament. Jordan Kate's going to join Davis coming up in our second hour of the show in about 30 minutes from now. So those of you who can't stay on the grid with us until then, understood. Catch us on demand on our YouTube channel. Really easy to access. Sports Grid, Sports Grid Radio. We post all of our videos there as well. Like and subscribe to our show if you wouldn't mind. Tonight, Davis in the NBA. It's all about one guy for me. It's all about Dame Lillard tonight, as Portland is going to be taking on New Orleans. I'm just very curious when he's on a heater, what he's going to do. It looks pretty close here. Very short line on FanDuel. Total is 241. I would anticipate a good matchup tonight, but I'm going to have you pick a winner. What do you got? So I I definitely want the Portland side here. They got CJ McCollum back. Uh, He played on a minutes limit the last time the Blazers played. I think his minutes limit should be upped by a couple other minutes now, which means fewer minutes for Rodney Hood Jr., uh, fewer minutes for Gary Trent, fewer minutes for Anthony Simons, all of which are definitely going to be good things for the Blazers. I also think the Blazers are really tough matchup for the Pelicans because the way to attack them obviously is going through Enos Cantor, but Steven Adams, not necessarily the center that you just dump the ball down and watch him go to work. And I think I'm very interested tonight to watch Robert Covington try to defend Zion Williamson, giving up about 70 pounds to Zion. Uh, Should be a good game for DFS too as well. Dame, Zion going against each other should be a really interesting game for us to watch tonight. But I, I want the Blazers, and I want the over for this game as well. Ooh, all right, two two sides there. Over, I, I think I see 241. Is that the same number, just to be 100% on that? Over 241? Yes, sir. Yep, 241. Okay. want the over there. All right, so over 241 there. Uh, college basketball, we have games today. 16 seed, Texas Southern against Mount St. Mary's. Drake is at a really good season against Wichita State, App State against Norfolk State. And then I think the game that most people are most interested in because you have two storied NCAA basketball franchises, Michigan State and UCLA. So coming up, we will discuss a little bit more about that. Also break down some more baseball and uh, full college basketball previews, NCAA tournaments coming up in this hour. So stay on the grid. Davis and I will be right back. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 